Welcome back to the Nightcap. We got episode 26 here coming to you. My name is Jack Murphy alongside me, my partner, Sam Cerrone. Sam, how you feeling after a, a nice Easter weekend, a relaxing Masters weekend? Some good basketball being played. That was a great weekend. You know, ate some good food for Easter and then sat on the couch in a, in a vegetable for a couple hours and watched some golf. So it was a solid weekend and got some NBA playoffs coming up soon as well. Well, yeah, congrats to my boy, John Rahm. So excited that he adds the green jacket to his collection. Pretty good tournament. It was very interesting that the Live Golf guys decided to come to play. Uh, I think that was uh, I think that was good for the viewership and was the most viewed Masters since before Tigers win in 2019, which is pretty impressive. And I just feel like, yeah, the rise of, of Rahm, you know, like Rahm's a grown star in the game. But also just the uh, the tension of the tours and, you know, guys like Rory McIlroy, who are Mr. PGA Tour himself, his second-in-command, Justin Thomas, they get cut. You guys got, like, Phil, guys like Phil Mickelson, Patrick Reed finishing the top five. Brooks, Brooks. probably should have won the thing. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like, this was, you know, a very um, polarizing Masters, as you, like you said, to live in the PGA guys. So, you know, you come off having Brooks being the leader for most of the weekend until the last day. And it would have been a massive win for Liv, but John Rahm, you know, comes back, plays a great last day, and ultimately wins the Masters. I think, you know, the weather did play a massive factor in this Masters. They had to, you know, stop for a weather delay multiple times. So Mm. who knows what would have been the outcome if that wasn't the case scenario. But I also want to give a shout-out to Sam Bennett, the amateur. Great story. He was, you know, third for most of the weekend. and kind of didn't play as well the last day, but he he was fun to watch. No, yeah, great for him. It's been a while since an amateur had played as well as him, and that's such a big part of the Masters lore. You know, it was all first couple winners. It was created by Bobby Jones when he was an amateur. Yeah. Goes such a deep history on that. So it was nice that that was a big part of the the weekend. And you know, it was, the last day was cool. You know, after the um, it didn't help that the weather and Saturday is when all the trees fell down. I yeah. think so that didn't help. Um, after two rocking days where everyone was just. You know, you had a couple guys 10 under. Everyone's fighting for it. But um, it was good to see some guys, you know, let it hang. Just let him play golf like Mickelson's 7 yeah. under to end it. That was that was all time. So no, It was great. You know, Mickelson obviously been in the game for so long. A lot of people love watching him. He's been part of those, you know, like the matches with, you know, Brady and, you know, other athletes. So, it was good to see him you know, such a big name finish uh, second, tied second for the, the Masters. And he got some love back because people have been down on him with the whole live thing, which, yeah. you know, I, like, I get it. I also, like, I don't fault these guys. Like, you know, there's a lot of money on the table. And it's not like they're going to stop trying, which is what everyone's been saying. And this Masters proved that they can easily hang with the PGA guys. And I don't know. I think it's good because the majors are where more people watch. So we need we need the full, full, uh, you know, we need the full like you need both sides of um, these leagues fully at it. You know, at a major, you need the full roster of players because that's when it, that's when it's at its best. So it was good to see that the Masters was a great start to major season. Let's hope that uh, the PGA Championship can follow up strongly in May. But let's talk some NBA here, Mr. Sam. Because we've had some very interesting uh, play-in games. You got the Thunder pulling off a big win against the Pelicans. Poor Pelicans, man, because 
Zion just missing like 55 games didn't help. And he's just, I guess he's just never going to play. But I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough beat for them because they were literally like the second or third seed in the West. And here they are going out in the playing game to Oklahoma City, who they probably thought that they weren't going to be here this year. But a great win for them. They move on. Same thing kind of happens to Toronto. We'll see about them. They they fell apart against a Bulls team that just feels like such a weird collection of players. You get the Lakers moving on, Atlanta, big win on Miami. I guess for what we've got left here, and then, you know, the recording of this podcast, we have the eight-seeded games here tonight. Chicago at Miami, Oklahoma City at Minnesota. What, what's been the big uh, – which game was, was the big takeaway for you? I think the, the biggest takeaway I've seen so far was how well – the Timberwolves played with without uh, Rudy Gobert. Obviously, he's suspended because um, of his little, you know, scruff with uh, Kyle Anderson slow mo on the sideline. But they went, you know, toe to toe with the uh, the Lakers on Tuesday night and almost, you know, beat them. They had to, you know, go into extra extra minutes to finish that game. No, that's a yeah. I, I like that you bring that up just because the Timberwolves, man, what a weird spot. They traded their future for a guy who like can't really put them over the top. They're basically in the same spot they were last year. And with him off the court, they looked a lot better. And, you know, the offense came a lot easier uh, at stretches, which was big because uh, Anthony Edwards played maybe the worst game of his career. I mean, it's the biggest. He made the playoffs last year, but this is, you know, it's for the seventh seed. You can can upset the Lakers at home. Probably the biggest game of his career. He, He was terrible. And, like, all the ESPN headlines before were, like, can, you know, Edward just going to drop 40 points, but the Lakers are still going to win. So, like, everybody was on on him to, you know, have this monumental performance. But, you know, games came from um, Mike Conley and, and Cat to really, you know, make this a close game. Yeah, Anthony Edwards struggles. and But the offense, though, was was moving well. The big thing is, is uh, Carol Anthony Towns can't keep himself out of foul trouble. And when he gets there, he doesn't know what to do with it. He had such a great start to the game. And then just kind of fell apart, which with fouls, I mean, we'll see. He's supposed to be a big player, big-time player, and, and he's very good. I, I like Carl Anthony Towns. He had a big first half with 17 points, but, you know, seven the rest overtime. They needed more out of him. And, and LeBron was weird. This was a weird LeBron game because he looked dead, and he didn't try for most of the first half on, on defense and at key points in the second half. But he dropped 30 points, yeah. 10 rebounds, 6 assists. Sneaky 30. I mean, he he needed to drop that, you know. Jandrew Russell only had two points, so, like, these ones, they're, you know, part of the big three, and so they needed that. But Anthony Davis also played great with 24. So it was good, you know, good collection of him playing healthy and LeBron, you know, a sneaky 30-point. Well, it was just interesting, too, to see Schroeder kind of big 21 points. He stepped up, but he he got D'Lo's minutes at the end of that game. D'Lo ends up finishing with 23, Schroeder 32, and he – He's been the sixth man. That was just interesting because the Lakers are just going to have to ride hot hands and, and gritty games like this is what it's going to take. You know, they they're going to have to they got to work their way inside, get their fouls, get their free throws. That that's how they're going to that's how they're going to move on. And I mean, they they definitely uh they definitely avoided uh, or they or they gave themselves a chance here because avoiding um, Denver. Well, it was a must. I, I don't know yeah. if they could beat Denver. They can beat no, Memphis. I, I think this was, like you said, the best case scenario. I think they can really have an opportunity to make a run against a, you know, a kind of shamble-ridden Memphis Grizzlies team this year. 
So who do we like tonight? Chicago at Miami is our first game. I, I feel like it's really tough to um, bet against Miami at home twice. Like They're going to lose twice, needing to get into the playoffs, just one win. But I'm very intrigued to see what their mindset is because – I, they they were definitely uh, they were definitely like loving the idea of playing Boston, but I don't know if they want to see Milwaukee. I mean, yeah, we've been you know harping on that the past couple episodes how Milwaukee's just a wagon this year, and there's really it's like pretty much them against the pool in the East. So I think you know it is going to be a tough like whoever wins this game is just might just be you know thrown into the gallows. I think Chicago wants it a little more. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Chicago. Chicago, I mean, I think the Heat just, you know, they looked unfocused against the Hawks. You know, Jimmy Butler didn't play great. Bam didn't play great. I mean, Kyle Lowry did show up. But I, th- I think I like, you know, I'm going to agree with you with the Bulls here. I think the Heat just, you know, they didn't really have it last the last game. And they're going to need a big step up. Jimmy Butler is, has been so on and off this season, at least in my opinion. He's just not normal Jimmy. I so, mean, yeah, he's been told, you know, He's one of the great playoff performers in the game right now, and 21 points, you know, plus minus of minus 10. So he didn't really perform well when, you know, on the court with all of his teammates. So we got Oklahoma City, Minnesota um, following that one. That's a really, because I, I just don't see how Anthony Edwards struggles as much. He didn't even get 10 points. He was nine points in that game. He's three for 17 from the field, 0 for 9 from three. Just, just not himself. I, I just feel like there's no way that happens again. At home, Minnesota should should be fair, but it's just, whoa. That Oklahoma City game, man. Watching Oklahoma City, they have quite the potential for this future, dude. I mean, you talk about a team that's just, like, perfected the tank job for the past few years, just, you know, getting capital and just having these young, you know, Shea and and giddy like they all they showed up and now it's it's gonna play off like who knows how you know well they'll be performing next year they have 15 picks in the next five drafts so they can keep adding stars they have a star or potential stars they have one in sga 31 point per game six six point guard you you know those don't you don't find those in the value bin you got to spend good money for those and they've got one who they you know they flipped paul george for him to get also a bunch of picks that was an easy win trade they take Giddy at, at the sixth spot back in the 2021 draft, and a lot of people kind of questioned it. And, and uh, you know, it was Kuminga who goes seven. I don't think anyone's questioned him. Big season this year for him, and he had a triple do- or near triple double, whatever it was. And they got 27 from Lou Dor as well. Yeah, and Lou Dor, I mean, who knows what's the deal with him, but because he's a good player, he, he's kind of the role player. He's kind of like their Marcus Smart. If you picked, you expect him to uh, be a star. Dude. Jalen Williams. Well, I mean, they have two Jalen Williamses, which makes it confusing. But, dude, I did not realize how well this guy was this year and how his feel for the game. Jalen Williams, number eight. That's the number he wears, not number six. He's a six-six guard, dude. I mean, I think he's got star potential. They got three guys who could be all stars, and I don't know where they found Jalen Williams. Is a Santa Clara Santa pick. Steve Nash must have, must have given the. They said on the broadcast he's the first first first-round pick out of Santa Clara since Steve Nash, which, I mean, you know, 
That's it. It's Santa it's not, Clara, it's but powerhouse university. Of- I know it's not a powerhouse, but um, Steve Nash was like pick 12 and Williams was pick 12. So when they came out of school, they were legit. You know what I mean? You know, you can get lucky. One guy goes pick 28 or something. That's still a first round pick technically, but I just, the Thunder's future has got me really fired up. Even though I'm not a Thunder fan. I just, like you said, the way that this tank has come together, uh, there have been points where it's like, okay guys, like what's going on here? But just, the way it's breaking together for them is actually just really, really impressive to me because I thought that maybe they're, I mean, dude, you look at the lap for a second, just because, you know, he's a 24-year-old now. You have all these rookies. Everyone's like, tw- they have the 20-year-olds in the starting lineup. Everyone's 21, 22 years old at the most. G- Gilgis Alexander is starting to get up there a little bit, and he hasn't finished the last two seasons because of lower leg problems. And it's like, oh, my God, like, you know, I mean, how good is he? He hasn't been an all-star. And then this year, he, he jumps his scoring average up from 24.5 to 31.5. Like, that's a superstar. Now now he's a superstar. And it just – so they've cast on that. They have a superstar point guard. They clearly – Giddy is clearly a nice little running mate for him. If Chet Holgren's good, like, why can't they be competing in 2026? I mean, you know, a lot of people will start to, you know, start the idea of maybe they should train like a – Bonafide superstar, but you, like you said, they have all these these young pieces that can grow into into studs. And you know, when Chet coming back, side note, I saw a post on Instagram with Chet. They're like, "Look how different he looks. Like he put on so much weight, and it was just like the same." Oh, I, I did see that. No, because you know that that was you got to look at the whole picture. Because literally, you, you look at his shoulders, you can see he's clearly added weight. Because look at the picture; like he is rail thin. Like yeah. he has so much weight to add. No wonder, literally, the first minute he gets on a summer league court, he breaks his foot after like eight games. You know, it's just that 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 build is not sustainable for NBA basketball. Because you're right; like it doesn't it doesn't look like he added anything at all. But you you zoom in, it's like, oh no, he clearly has added ten pounds. But that shows you how skinny he is. He literally needs like thirty pounds. It's it just it's unbelievable. And also, it just I I do think like. You know, you, who knows? Jalen Williams had a really big rookie year. Rookies who averaged 15 points and four assists and f- five rebounds, mm-hmm. six six, move the ball. He does like you gotta you gotta ooze at that potential. Yeah. Like you never know what's gonna happen. But the big one is Chet. Their future's kind of relying on him. We'll see what happens. I mean, I could see a world where he just off and on the court his his whole career just because. But you know, I think if they even get you know have these great guys and he can give some you know meaningful minutes every once in a while, I think he can they can be a, a team to be reckoned with in the future. Well, as we wrap up the NBA talk for now, we don't have a full set of, um, you know, the Sunday matchup. Two of them aren't set with Milwaukee and Denver. We expect Milwaukee and Denver to move on though, but it just because looking at that Saturday where you got all the, uh, you get the three, six matchups between Brooklyn and Philly, Sacramento, Golden State, and then East two, seven and four, five matchups. I feel like you gotta like Philadelphia and Boston to win those series. Who wins the Cleveland New York series? I'm scared to make it. I don't. I'm a, I'm a Knicks fan, obviously, so I'm trying not to be as biased. But I think it's either the the Cleveland Cavaliers are gonna win in like four or five. But I think if they get past like six and seven game, I think it's a, a Knicks series to be to be you know taken from. Well, I I mean, what's the deal with Randall and his injury? I mean, it, is I he mean, even going to make game one? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, he's he rolled his ankle, sprained ankle a few weeks ago. I mean, they said two weeks. So now, like, he's coming towards that tail end of that, you know, that timeline. I mean, but that the point, like, they've been playing well without him right now. I mean, 
quickly is just a, a bucket off the bench. You know, I think he should be the sixth man of the year. Mitchell Robinson's pl- been playing great. I think it all comes down to, you know, can R.J. Barrett you know, no, some don't, don't worry about put it. Put in some meaningful minutes finally. But I think, you know, Yo, how can um, if they steal a game early on without Randall, I think it's that would be very vital. Just because I had to, how can Emmanuel quickly be the sixth man of the year if he, if he started almost a quarter of the games? He started over 20 games. I mean, I think the odds at the beginning of the year were high in his favor. I know, but so he's like a, he, he's like a sixth man, but he, he also starts a fifth of the time. So, you know, the, the, they have a pretty. for the voters to decide. Just because I hate how they start Quentin Grimes. He's so overrated. I mean, he dropped the other day. They had 30 from him, too. 39, 35. He played great. I mean, he's not as bad as R.J. Barrett. Don't don't get me started on him. I, I don't even know. You guys are going to have to trade him or something. Like, he he's just he is just not good. Or at least as good as he could be. Like, he, he is – in the NBA now, there, there are a lot of point-per-game totals. He is an empty 20 yeah. points. I mean, yeah. I mean, coming out of college, he was on that fantastic Duke team with all those – recruits and I when he got drafted I was like he's the safest bet because you know what you're going to get in them but like he just hasn't made any improvements he's still like the same player that he got drafted as yeah no I, I mean last year he was 20 points per game on 41 percent shooting this year he's 20 points per game on 43 percent shooting like you know it just can't shoot the, th- the three has just gone down the toilet that 2021 season he shot 40 percent from three last year 34 this year 31 so it just I'm not an R.J. Barrett guy. I like I kind of liked him coming out of Duke, but I thought there was like there's a re- like he was he was the number one recruit. He was all this and all, like Zion. It took a couple games. The Zion hype just you know got crazy. But if you just remember heading into that season, Zion was not the number one player. You know it was Barrett and Reddish. Yeah. Well, and you know Zion just blew them out of the water. Cam has been Cam has been you know. Team from team and trade packages, you know. I thought he would hang around with you, man, so quick. Yeah, that's just. I think he can be a great player. They can turn it to something, something solid. But you know, the Knicks are just very impatient organization and not the smartest front office in all in in basketball. That's for sure. But who knows? I think it'll be a solid series. The real, uh, the real one. I, I, I think that I think Cleveland's gonna beat you. Sorry, I just. I really like their team. No, they have a great team. I mean, obviously, Donovan Mitchell's Donovan Mitchell taking a big boy leap this year. Is you know the main guy there, and Mobley is defensive player of the year candidate. So who knows what's gonna happen? What about Golden State Sacramento? That concludes it Saturday night. They that's when they, they open up in Sacramento at eight thirty on Saturday. That's the series, man. The Phoenix L A one, if uh, Paul George was playing, would be really interesting. But Phoenix, I think Phoenix should take care of L A. The Clippers, Sacramento, Golden State. I, I, I really don't know. I mean, we have, you know, four-time champions with the Warriors, and then we have a young team with you know the Kentucky old Kentucky backcourt, um, Sabonis, who is a fantastic player. So I think I'm leaning towards the Warriors. I think it'll be a, a seven-game series. I think just having that, you know, that playoff pedigree will just you know get them through this this round. I just, uh, it's so weird. I don't know what to feel about the Warriors because, uh, it, it, like, they're, they have four championships. They, the core is still there. They have, you know, the, the top eight or nine players from the championship team last season returning. Basically the same team. 
but they were so bad on the road in the regular season this year. Like, and now they're the sixth seed. They're going to have to win multiple road games a series to move on. Or, at least, like, they're going to have to win game sevens if they, you know, you can only play three home games. You still need one more. Like, they're going to always need to win at least one road game. And, and they struggled just so much on the road this year. And like, at a, at a clip, we've never seen this team struggle on the road. It just, I don't know what to make of it. I'm so confused. I, I just, and I also, I'm Sacramento, I, I feel like, oh, that's a big thing for them. But also, Sacramento is so weird because they just want to outscore you. Yeah. And even though, like, I'll, I'm one to say, like, oh, the defense, the NBA, like, obviously in the regular season, no one's playing defense. They play it in the regular in the postseason, so like you know, it, it's obviously different. But Sacramento is like playoff, you know, one hundred one no no. Don't be this team that can only score. Your whole strategy is just trying to outscore teams. Like it's just it's just not the same. It's a different game. I mean, the thing is, like you you saying like they just score score score, but. When you're trying to outshoot like two of the best three point shooters of all time, yeah, how do you do that? You, like that's going to be an impossible task to you know to beat. So I, no, I I I I think that's just the one that throws me for the most yeah. loop. The 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 Lakers Grizzlies kind of setting you know setting down on that. The Lakers have been good. It's like oh why can't they win? They have LeBron AD. It's tough to bet against them. LeBron and AD were gassed after that Minnesota game. Memphis is like the fastest team. It, them and Sacramento play with the most pace. They run all over the place. I Man, everyone's also under twenty five yeah. years old on the team. All their guards are are young, fresh legs. Ja, Brooks, um, Desmond Bain, yeah, all young guys. Also, defensive player of the year candidate, Jaron Jackson Jr., who's yeah broken out. So and and he's he's young too. He likes to move up and down the court. So just this Lakers team is old and they get tired. This Memphis team is young, and they don't get tired. I, I don't know. I just feel like that should be a big, uh, especially in the home games. Yeah. I don't know how L.A. beats Memphis. I, mean, I think it would be home. really important for the Lakers to, like, you know, control the pace of that game just so it doesn't get out of hand and, you know, their veteran players are not gassed at the end of the game. Well, I guess only time will tell. Playoffs are started, though. Who, who are you uh, – what's your finals prediction? My finals prediction, I'm going to go Bucks. I mean, it's a bad, it's a you know easy take, but Bucks Nuggets just the two number one seeds. I just think that they're just stronger than a lot of the teams. I mean, like you said, I, I I think the Lakers will make a run, but I don't think they'll have it left in the tank late in the playoffs. And the Warriors, who knows what will happen to them? I think that the winner, the Warriors can go, but I think that the winner of the Nuggets Suns second round series rides that high yeah. to the finals. I mean, that's fair. I mean. The Suns are a solid team. I just there's no alpha on that roster. Like there's no leader, overall leader. And you know, I think I I'm gonna take the Suns performances. Just because you said that. Right. Nah, I'm kidding. I I just well I I think that they're a little thin on the bench, but I feel like that's the uh, the the Durant trade is the key on that. Yeah. They can just give him the rock, and, and you know sometimes Devin Booker's gonna get some spot up looks. You know, I think that's the, uh, I think that's the key is that, is. That, is that they have the the ultimate score, and then they have a little little partner for him and, and Booker. He's gonna get some good looks. Maybe we'll have a rematch of, of the playoff, finals two years. That's ago. why I, I think we get a, a revamped rematch of the twenty twenty one finals, and I, I would be all here for that. Chris Paul trying to get a ring, Giannis trying to cement himself yeah. against 
another guy who thinks he's an all-time great in Kevin Durant. It'd be uh, give me my popcorn. Good storylines. Well, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we are joined by Ohio State wide receiver Julian Fleming here on the Nightcap. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Um, we are welcomed by Julian Fleming. Julian, how are you? Good. How y'all doing? Doing well. Thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate uh, Julian, it. we had a question that we've been – just because – we're big football fans. We, we we love the recruiting here at Ohio State. And, you know, you were a big recruit. Before we get into the Ohio State questions, we wanted to ask, like, what what is life like as a, you know, a, you know you're a high school senior. You have, you're getting every offer imaginable, uh, you know, to go play football where, wherever you want. What What is that like, you know, kind of living out like multiple people's dreams? And like, how do you decide? How'd you decide on on Ohio State essentially when you're getting looked at by every major school in the country? Uh, honestly, it's pretty hectic. Um, you know, for me, it kind of started early in high school. That process started early, so there was a lot of a lot of pull this way, that way. You know, every every other uh, which way. But uh, my family was by my biggest support group, so they kind they kind of put that decision on me ultimately, and they really never impacted it at all. They just said whatever I feel like. You know, making that decision, I'm gonna have to live with it. So that's gonna be my decision. But, um, yeah, it's tough. And then I, what is that? I think your junior year on September 1st, I think it was when, when I was a junior is when coaches can start contacting you directly. So, um, you know, once that 12 o'clock hits that night, once it turns September 1st, like coaches are texting, they're hitting mm-hmm. the phone, all doing, doing all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I want to say, I don't want to say it's a distraction, but it kind of is a distraction. You know, you're playing, you know, a kid's, you know, that's your, that's your career. And you're kind of making that decision at, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old. So it's, it's a lot and it's a lot of stress. And, uh, you know, the process for me was four years, three years long. I think I committed my junior year. Um, and, uh, you know, what goes into the decision, it's a lot, it's a lot of different things. I mean, obviously academics are a big thing. Uh, when you're going to play the rotation, who they have there at at that point, it's hard to say coaches are a big part of it because, you know, coaches are in and out of college football, you know, it's kind of like a business. So they're, you know, they're always looking for the next up uh, position, but you know, at Ohio state, one of the things that drew me in was um, coach Hart, Brian Hartline. Uh, he's from Ohio, played at Ohio state, finished his career with the Browns, came back and was GA at Ohio state, then got the receiver spot as the Ohio state receiver coach. So I just felt like there was some stability there and that, you know, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be going anywhere anytime soon. And so far that's been the case, you know, he's been, He's been with us, you know, my whole career, and I'm sure he's going to be there for a lot longer time. You know, he's got some, he got a couple promotions, but um, ultimately picking Ohio State, he was a he was a big factor in it. Uh, you know, Coach Day coming in and uh, leading the charge there with uh, being the head coach, and then um, honestly, it was just kind of the home environment. You know, I got to come in when I was younger, talk to a lot of the older dudes. Um, you know, like Terry, Paris, and uh, Johnny when they were, uh, I guess there that was probably their senior year. So I kind of got the real side of Ohio State from the players. And, um, you know, they kind of let the players, you know, walk me through it and just go go through. Honestly, you know, they weren't selling all the all the other stuff that the school, you know, some schools were trying to make promises that they couldn't, you know, that they couldn't. Uh, what word I'm looking for? They couldn't provide for you, you know. So, uh, you know, they were making a lot of empty promises that, you know, they say they could do this, that and the third. But realistically, you don't you don't know what you could do as a high school kid coming into college your freshman year. So they were just honest with me and were like, you know, you want to come in, you want a spot, you got to work. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what drew me there. You know, just felt like home. Obviously, you brought off, you know, Coach Hartline, who's been bringing some massive recruits, and you brought up how kind of Paris and Johnny were those, you know, the veteran leaders for you when you joined. So how do you feel, you know, going into next season, you're going to be that, like, veteran leader in the locker room and you're going to have to, you know, mentor some of these younger guys that are coming in? 
Uh, yeah, no, it's been cool. Uh, we got a like a leadership program. It's called like a uh, uh, big brother program. So last year, Keon was my little brother and uh, every other, all the freshmen get assigned to big brothers, you know, because obviously coming in, you know, from uh, everywhere around the country that uh, you, you need a support system. You need somebody to rely on. You need somebody to help you, you know, get through that process has already been through it. So, um, you know, just, uh, you know, having that big brother is, uh, you know, it's a big thing, especially because, I mean, a lot of kids get homesick really fast. I mean, you're kind of, you're on a strict schedule, you know, you're doing stuff from all hours of the day. You don't have your family anymore. You're not seeing the people that you're used to seeing, you know, got your friend group. So, you know, it's a big adjustment, but um, I, I, that just has support, that support system. It's, it's awesome. And the big brother program, I think is really good. And, uh, you know, helping kids kind of acclimate to college. Well, talking about some, some of your other teammates, both past and present, um, this is a bit of a two-party here. We got to ask about, um, you know, CJ is about to go, in the first round here, you uh, in a couple of weeks, you played with him and Justin Fields. Um, can you kind of give us the, um, the, you know, like what what was the difference in playing with them? Obviously, I mean, you know, they're very different play styles, but you know, take us into like how you play with them on, on the field. You know, like obviously, um, you played more with with CJ, but you did have some you practiced with Fields. And can you kind of take us into the difference of what makes them special and, and what it's like to to play with them? Uh, yeah, you know, they both got really good leadership qualities and, um, CJ, as you can see, you know, his freshman year coming in, like that was one of the dudes that was the dude who wanted to come in and work and just had that, had those leadership qualities that, you know, like the, the intangibles that you really can't, you, you can't teach him. That's just how he was. You know, he came in with a chip on his shoulder. He was an under-recruited kid and he came in ready to work and get that spot. And I still take care. I still take credit for recruiting him and getting him to Ohio state. <laughs> um, and then Justin, obviously I didn't have. I didn't get to see Justin my uh, freshman. Oh, I, I got to see him my freshman year. Obviously, not his freshman year, so I don't know how that was for him um, at UGA. But you know, coming in with Justin, he was just always really welcoming. He was really open, to, you know, you know, spending time after you know after practice stuff like that, going over plays and uh, you know things of that nature. So was CJ, and I uh, just kind of kind of telling you what 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 you what, what he expects from you on this route, this route, this concept, or this that and the third. But yeah, obviously the play styles are a little bit different. Justin, Justin was Justin Cabron. Uh, and Justin threw, Justin, Justin, I would say threw a lot. He threw a lot harder than CJ. CJ, um, CJ's more. He's a touch quarterback. He's got a crazy, crazy arm strength. Justin's got crazy arm strength too. But I would say CJ's more of a touch kind of guy. Justin was. He was getting the thing in the in the tight windows, throwing really hard. But you know, obviously, you see both first round quarterbacks. You know, I think CJ's going to be the first pick. So, uh, you know, great dudes, great quarterbacks. Still talk to him every day. Well, and then. You know, awesome to hear about uh, what you're talking about there with when CJ came into school here. Um, his next season, he, he's competing for a quarterback battle. That's what you got right now. You've seen two of them. Can you kind of talk about um, what, what what you've seen that's similar and then you know, the differences between when, when CJ was battling out with, you know, like Jack Miller and those guys versus what, what Kyle and Devin are doing right now? Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is kind of I, – I think it is kind of similar. I think Jack and CJ are, you know – pretty different quarterback style. Uh, I think they're, they're both really, really different. I think Kyle, Kyle and uh, Devin are a little bit more similar in their styles, um, but they could both rip it. I'll tell you that right now. Um, obviously Devin's a year younger, but, and, and Kyle's got a year, a year up on him, but man, they, they, they both could throw the ball. You know, they both got that confidence. They got, they got the leadership qualities and I think they're going to continue to step into that leadership role. But um, honestly, it's been, it's been a good battle so far and I can't, I, I really can't wait to see where it goes. So obviously, you know, this year you had a great year, you know, over 500 yards receiving. Um, 
six touchdowns. You had a great game against Georgia and an unfortunate loss. So how do you kind of want to carry that momentum into next season? Uh, yeah, obviously last year was kind of a kind of a building year for me. Uh, you know, had a lot of a lot a lot of injuries. Uh, that kind of kept me sidelined, stuff off the field that kind of kept me sidelined and got, you know, got me out of focus. But, um, you know, last year was like, I guess, I guess that was my, that was my big year. Um, played through some stuff, you know, injuries here, there, had, uh, had some stuff done this off season, you know, kind of looking, just really looking to get healthy. Obviously it was a building year, but I, you know, I'm excited to play hopefully at a hundred percent, knock on wood, nothing else happens. You know, I don't want to go through any more injuries or anything like that, but you know, I'm, I'm really excited. Like last year was kind of a glimpse and I feel like I could finally, you know, really step into that role and, uh, you know, just continue improving uh, better myself. Awesome. Well, then I wanted to ask about, um, we've talked about, you know, playing at Ohio State. Just can, what has it meant to you to, to play for, obviously, you know, you talked about earlier, it was your dream. You know, you were getting recruited by all these big schools. This is what, you, you know, what you wanted to do. You got your eyes set on, you know, playing football for a long time. While you've been at Ohio State, you know, a lot has happened. This is, you know, you played during the pandemic. Like, you know, it's been a weird, it's been weird <laughs> seasons. You know, every season has definitely not been the same. Uh, you know, kind of just reflect a little bit. What, what's it meant to be an Ohio State Buckeye and, and what are you excited about for this season? Uh, it, it's kind of crazy. Um, you know, they, they talk about the brotherhood a lot and, you know, coming in, like, you know, you don't really know anything about it, but. It really is a brotherhood. I mean, everybody's so close on the team and like there's always, you know, locker room chit-chatting, people messing around and doing this, that, and the third. But, uh, you know, and uh, coming out and practicing and just playing under some of the best coaches with some of the, like some of the best players in the country with the best strength staff, training staff, everybody, did, like everybody of that nature. Like it's it, it's just crazy. And it's kind of, it's a crazy opportunity. And um, like you said, you talking about, uh, you know, wanting to play football and having to be a dream for a long time. It really never was. I was a basketball player. I played baseball too. Baseball is probably my best sport. I just didn't have the shoulders for it anymore at that point. And, uh, you know, I thought basketball was going to be it. And then next thing I knew, freshman year, football offer popped. And that's when it was kind of like kind of just took over. And that's when I kind of had to set my focus all the way on football. And obviously I still played other sports and did that. But, you know, the main focus was on football. But, um, yeah, now being a Buckeye has been it, it's been awesome. It's been a great opportunity. I think they really shape you. They really build you into to a young man, uh, you know, not just on the field, but off the field as well. So walk us through your uh, your game day routine. Like, what what do you do to, you know, you wake up in the morning, what are you doing? Any superstitions that you may have during the, the process? Honestly, I really don't have any game day routines. One of the things I do every night, though, um, sound crazy, but I watch Gordon Ramsay every night before I, before <laughs> I watch Hell's Kitchen, before before going to bed. Um, you know, wake up's obviously, obviously a different time, uh, depending on the time of the game um, and those you know, those meetings and walkthroughs and everything before the game kind of follow, you know, whatever, whatever schedule we have, depending on if it's a 12 o'clock game, 3.30, 8, 8, whatever it is. So um, everything kind of changes, but I'm not really, I'm not really very superstitious when it comes to anything uh, of that nature. So just have Gordon Ramsay get you ready to run through a brick wall. That's all. Yeah, to, to, yeah, to an extent, you know, I like, I like watching him. He's, I always thought he was really, really funny. So uh, he's, he's fun to watch. He likes to freak out at people. Like, does that does that get you amped up? Like when he's yelling at someone, and they're like, "Yes, chef." <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't know. If it really, it don't really get me hyped, but like it just kind of makes me laugh. Like he's just got that, like that personality, like that. You know, if he talks, people are gonna listen. But. <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of speaking of things that are hilarious, is there anything in an Ohio State game that we have missed? Like something that you know, the sideline, you know, something that's happened to someone on the field that the sideline is just dying over. Can't stop like something that just 
I, I remember seeing something about like you know a couple of the guys who've been like pantsed in football games. Like, is there anything that's been like absurd that's happened in a game? Kind of an out there question, but we had to ask. Um, everyone was dying over. It. Nah, honestly, I can't. I can't think of anything crazy that's happened. One of the craziest moments had to have been last year, maybe against Indiana, when, um, you know, Jesse, our punter, took off when we were up, like, 40-some to whatever the score was and got smacked on the sideline with the late hit. That was probably one of the craziest moments because, like, you know, everybody was just sitting. It was just a punt, routine punt, you know. Everybody's on the bench. And next thing you know, he took off. So everybody got hyped and excited. And then once he got hit on the sideline, you know, it was a late hit. And, like, you don't do that especially like to no disrespect but like to like the punters like that's crazy you're a db doing that to a punter so that got hectic and then their coach like hung him all the way over to our sideline so that was probably one of the craziest moments that i could think of off the top of my head before we get into the truth serum i just want to ask you know what is your favorite you know ohio state memory so far my favorite ohio state memory like in a practice, in a game, off the field, anything? Anything. 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 Uh, uh, last year, um, we had like a big team thing. And we went paintballing. Easily. It was it was that. And uh, it was a lot of fun. But I'll tell you what, they hurt. And um, some kids came in like shorts and tank tops. And I don't think they really were prepared <laughs> for how much it was really going to hurt when they got hit with a paintball. And um, our strength coaches came and our coaches came and they, yeah, it was fun. And that, some of the coaches got, uh, you know, a lot of anger taken out on them with the paintballs, but it was, it was definitely a good time. And I think that was a really good, like team building activity that we had. Was it players versus coaches? Nah. So like we have, we have the system where we're like broke up into different squads and it was like squad versus squad and the coaches would get on certain squads. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Which squad was the best? Was the receiving core the best group? No, see, that's the thing. It's not even split into position groups. It's it's intermingled with different, um, you know, with different positions. I don't I don't remember which squad was the best. I know my, ours was, and I got I got hit in my head like right <laughs> up top of the helmet. And I had a big welt on top of my head for for like three days. So that it, you know, it hurt, but it was a lot of fun. You know, just getting like the mess around, and it was muddy and wet. So like, yeah, it was a mess. All right, well, we're gonna get started on on the truth serum here. Um, you know, I'm I'm gonna I think we gotta ask this one first because he said he was a basketball guy. So we've been waiting for to ask this to a football. Yes. Player. What five guys on the football team would you take if you're one? So four guys who would be your four teammates, five v five against the OSU basketball team. Who I'm not are? even taking myself. So we're really? taking it. really all right, all right. So you talking about this year's team or last year's? Um, for for um, your guy, you guys, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Give us both. Come on. You know, you we'll do last year. We'll do last year. We'll do last year. So I'm taking CJ's on there. Dewan's on there. Um, JT, Cade Stover, and taking a Marvin. Can, can Marv just dunk on anyone? Marv is a freaky athlete. And yeah, Marv, Marv could Marv, Marv's good at basketball. CJ's a shooter, knockdown. Dewan could do whatever you want him to do for somebody that big, which is crazy. I mean, yeah, Dewan takes over. Takes over, does not miss. And uh, JT, yeah, JT's he could do it. I mean, JT was like looking at trying to play basketball and football here, right? Yeah, JT, JT's like that. Dewan's like that too. Honestly, they're all like that. 
Well, I, I don't mean to, I don't, not to kill the whole true serum thing, but, you know, I remember seeing like all this stuff about like, you know, the big one was Patrick Mahomes. Like after he signed that contract, he was playing basketball and then like they put in the clause, he can't play. Are you guys allowed to like play basketball? I remember I saw the thing uh, when you guys were in, um, I don't know, something, but Paris Johnson and his girlfriend, like he, he was, she was skating on the ice rink and he was walking, you know, like, is there anything like that? Are you guys allowed to play basketball? Like, out, like do stuff, athletic, athletic stuff outside of, uh, outside of football. Oh no, he's on mute. My fault. I, I dropped my phone and I caught it and it muted. But um, yeah, obviously you could you could go out and do pretty much whatever you want to do. Don't be dumb and get hurt. Obviously, like that's um, that's a really dumb injury to have. You know, sideline you for football which is your main focus but you know they're kind of not really that particular obviously they don't want you playing super competitive games and getting each other hurt and stuff like that but honestly we're we have we have a good amount of freedom awesome well my next question maybe you know might be divisive in the locker room but is there any player on the team that reminds you of like a cartoon character like anyone that reminds you of maybe like spat patrick from spongebob or you know Ed and Eddie? or like a meme that's a good one. Um, I can't really think of any off the top of my head. Nobody like sticks out that quick. I feel like there should be somebody that just pops into my head, but yeah, no, I don't. I, I don't got one. You have to, you're gonna have to sleep on that one. We're gonna yeah. I'm we'll I'm follow I'm, up gonna on you. I'm, a, I'm gonna keep thinking about it and try, but I don't think I don't know. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Uh, we asked this to a couple of the athletes. Um, if we gave you unlimited McDonald's nuggets or Chick-fil-A or Wendy's, whatever is your comfort food, how many could you eat in one sitting? One sitting. If you gave me McDonald's nuggets. Could you get over 50? I could. Yeah, I could push 50. I could definitely push 50. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that small. So I can I mean, if I was really, really hungry, yeah, I could put down probably 50. But more than that, that's a that's a stomach ache right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd be able to reach fifty. We've been going to Columbus Clippers games, and my big goal was to eat ten hot dogs on Diamond Dog Night, and that was a big struggle. I was about to say that don't sound that good. I thought I only think <laughs> ten hot dogs in a day is a lot, bro. Yeah, it was it was a battle. I mean, who'd we talk? We talked to someone. I think it was a soccer player we talked to, Devin Etling. He said he needed a hundred nuggets. But he was, and we we're like, whoa. We were just trying to see if you, you're confident you could do fifty. Now nah, 50, 50 is a lot. If you're saying a hundred, you could you could definitely you should be a competitive eater. <laughs> um, I also, I mean, going back, I know I guess we asked you about the cartoon character, but who's the biggest diva on the team? Is it you know? There's got to be one or two names who come to mind when we say that. That's a diva. What do you what what, what encompasses a diva? Uh, I mean. Late to the, practice, kind of, you know. Uh, no one's late to practice, are they? I mean, who? what's up? Not, uh, not very often. There's not very often that somebody's late to practice. But a diva. Like, just complains a lot, stuff of yeah. that nature. Yeah, or, or diva elements. Yeah. We get that over, uh, you know, the when we asked, like, women's basketball that, like, they had a couple immediately. I guess more just, like, diva elements. I mean, football players aren't exactly divas, but. Hmm. I guess yeah, I'm thinking about it, it's gonna have to be a DBR receiver because we're known as the biggest divas regardless. Um, I'm trying to think, man. I really, 
Y'all are hitting me with some good questions. I really don't know the answer to a diva. Um, Mitch Melton. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, Mitch Melton. I would go with. Out of nowhere, Mitch Melton. I would have been floored if you came out like Paris Johnson was the biggest diva. Like that would have shocked me. But you know, he's nah, a- Paris, Paris wasn't never. No, nah, Paris is Paris is definitely not a diva, and he's too big to be a diva. Like you can't be that big doing stuff like that. Maybe Jack Sawyer. <laughs> no, he's too big to be doing stuff like that, too. <laughs> um, what's our next one? So you talked about your, you know, your athletic background, you know, baseball, basketball, football, but maybe there's a different sport out there that, you know, with one week of training, you can go professional in. What sport do you think you'd be able to go to professional in with just a week of training? What just happened? Okay. Uh, what sport could I go professional with a week of training? I ain't gonna lie. I'm like that at ping pong. <laughs> ping pong let's go yeah i can't I'm, I'm i'm pretty i'm pretty cold at ping pong um it would have to be I, I can't think of any other sport uh if i could throw baseball again <laughs> i would try to play baseball but i uh, that's not nah, ping pong definitely ping pong ping pong yeah. i feel like you give me yeah you give me a solid week nah not obviously not a solid week. you give me a minute to train for that I'm like I'll give you a, a month. You think you could? Uh, I'm go- getting smacked, but like I'm, I'm gonna put my best foot forward. Who knows? Maybe you'll uh, don the red, white, and blue at the next Olympics on the yeah. Uh, or pickleball, team. pickleball too. Oh, pickleball! That's a rising sport. Um. All right, our last one here, a classic. But um, even if you don't have any siblings, best of your ability on this answer. Who on the team would you least want to date your sister? Date my little sister. Nobody on our team is touching <laughs> up. She's 10 years old. There's not one, not even like, you know, one of the quarterbacks or something. If I had to let anybody date my sister, he, he I guess he's not on the team anymore. It would be Cam Bab. Cam Bab. Classic. Besides him? Oh, who would I – wait, is the question who would I at least want? Or would, yeah, would least I, one. Who would oh, I at least want? Oh, man. Um, trying to think of a couple people. Least one, um, yeah, CJ Hicks not dating my sister. Um, none of the DBs, the DBs, not n- nobody, nobody is. <laughs> I did, it's a good question. I can't think of anybody to top of my head, but like, just I'm just being honest, even if she was my sister was 20 years old, nobody. Shout out, shout out Cam Bab for getting your, your blessing. Yeah, Cam Bab could, and Xavier, Xavier Johnson probably could, those are probably the only two. Awesome. The two good guy. Julian, thank you so much, man, for for coming on here. We really appreciate it. Um, best of luck to you going forward. Um, big one tomorrow, the spring game. You you, you're uh you're out though, right? But you'll be there on the sidelines supporting. I'll be there. Getting ready to rock. Thank you again, man, for coming on. Best of luck to you in the future. Really appreciate it. And that will wrap up our episode of the Nightcap. So thank you again to Julian, and we'll see you all next week. For sure. Appreciate y'all.